du es wichtig, wirklich wichtiger als ich. Denkst du wirklich, du es wichtig? Vielleicht, vielleicht doch, vielleicht doch nicht. You know, I thought I was going to get the opportunity to come back to the podcasting world and finally, finally be able to have some fun on the airwaves again, but no, not in the world that we're living in right now. We've got to have a conversation, folks, and this is not going to be a pleasant one, but stick with me. I'm hoping that maybe we can make some sense of things that make absolutely no sense. Hello again, everyone. My name is Drew Brent. This is Real Talk with Drew Brent across the network, the myriad of podcasting platforms that I am hoping that we are on by the time that you are listening to this. This is the debut episode, and I am so glad that all of you have decided to join me today. We've got quite a bit on the docket. Now, let me tell you what, very briefly, what I'm hoping this show will be. This show is a conversation about local and national issues from a perspective of a white guy who is lower middle class trying to make this thing all work, trying to figure this thing out, but also understanding that there are other people who do not have what I have And that we should try to help everybody. We should try to have, we should be looking toward the future. We should be finding a way to make the world a little bit of a better place. And I would agree that there is a lot happening in the world that is not only troubling, but it's just downright sad. On the docket today, we're going to talk a little bit about the George Floyd case Not much of a case as much as there is a conversation to be had about everything that happened after that and white people's response. Are we responding correctly? And maybe, just maybe, there's a conversation that we need to have with ourselves. Maybe we're just a little racist and we didn't know. Maybe. I'm not sure. But we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. However, is it possible that there is a racial double standard in the country? We're going to analyze that a little bit later on as well, following the backlash of New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees. And also, we're going to talk about a local issue that I know is not just a local issue, but we're going to talk about the local slant of it. Wearing the masks, oh, I know, it's just driving you crazy, isn't it? Well, trust me, the folks who are working hospitality 
They're not having any more fun with it than you are. But first, right here, I need to remind everyone, let you know that today's debut episode of Real Talk with Drew Brent is presented by Game for Change. Matt, Jeremy, Allen, and the guys, Joey, Mr. Bucket, the man, all of them are playing games for change right here in the River Valley. Now, if you're not familiar with Game for Change, here's what they do. They play video games, they stream it, and they interview folks from nonprofit organizations across the River Valley, telling you exactly what it is that they're all about, how it is that they operate, what it is that they need. And by the way, Game for Change helped out River Valley Food for Kids, big event, their annual event, Food Stock, and they helped them raise $10,000. So these guys are making a big difference in their community. You need to check them out. Tuesday begins their brand new season, season two. It's exclusively on Facebook. You can, of course, find clips on YouTube. But check them out live on Facebook on Tuesdays. It's game for change. Matt, Joey, Jeremy, and Alan Wu Dang, they are ready to rock and roll. So check them out. It's game for change Tuesdays on Facebook. Good friends of mine, friends of my show here at Real Talk. So we've seen the riots. We've seen the protests. We've seen it all, haven't we? And once again, it's a couple of year cycle at this point that we've got an unarmed black man killed by a police officer. Just a few weeks ago, we had another unarmed black man killed by two people after being accused of doing something that he did not do. And now here we are once again. And it's amazing to me that the cycle is basically the same. Really and truly it is. Let's walk through it, shall we? Unarmed black person is murdered by a police officer, which, by the way, we're not marginalizing police officers here. Stay with me throughout the podcast before you think I've gone off my liberal rocker. So we have an unarmed black person who is killed. First thing that we're going to see is some sort of character assassination, right? Do we remember the case of Mr. Arbery? I'm on Arbery. Remember, he was the gentleman a few weeks ago who was killed by two white men. They were chasing him in a truck after they said that he did something. And then there was video that was released of him at a construction site getting some water. But no matter. But do you see what happened there? Immediately, this gentleman is killed in cold blood in the middle of the street. And the first thing that is going to be attempted is somehow we're going to find a way to justify it. And that's exactly the case with George Floyd. Well, he was passing off a counterfeit bill. He was doing this. All of a sudden, read the comment section of literally anything and you were going to find somebody saying, well, he was no saint. You know, we need to take this part of the process away. We really do. It is becoming so frustrating to know that when you see an unarmed black person who has been killed by the police, you know, you absolutely 100% without a shadow of a doubt know their character is about to be assassinated somehow. They've done something. Somehow we can justify Well, they were no saint. No, perhaps not. I can not vouch for that one way or the other. Here's what I can vouch for. They probably shouldn't have been, I don't know, murdered. And yet the outrage on this is what's frustrating to me, and it's not because somebody is protesting. 
protesting is not the problem. Rioting is a problem, yes, but I mean, we're going to get into that in just a second. The problem that we are running into is that every time this conversation seems to happen, one way or the other, it is always going to turn back to from Black Lives Matter to All Lives Matter. We are always going to get back to that. And the reason why is because we as white people may not necessarily have the capacity to understand the plight of black Americans in this country. It's because they use the phrase white privilege. The Black Lives Matter movement uses it. Heck, even you see this in 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 white folks. Uh, they they'll they'll hashtag the white privilege thing, and they'll talk about how we're all privileged because of our skin color. Does it exist? And the answer to that is yes, one hundred percent. It does. Now, before you once again, you think I've gone off my liberal rocker. Perhaps we can explore that and change the wording because I think it's the wording and the semantics of that that really frustrates people. Somehow, the idea of having white privilege frustrates people because they believe that means that they had it easier because of their skin color and that they had everything handed to them. And this is a proud people here in the South. They worked for everything that they had. At least that's what they're going to tell you. And I believe that that is the culture around here. The fact of the matter is this, though. If you say to somebody locally, you've got white privilege, they're going to look at you and say, that privilege has not gotten me anything more. I had to work hard and earn everything, which was true. But We should examine the semantics of this, shall we? Here's why. The reason is, is because if we change the word from privilege to advantage, I think this message gets received a little better. You see, the people who are screaming about white privilege, the people who are screaming about white advantage, These people are not saying that because you are white, you had everything handed to you. They are not saying that because you are white, your lot lot in life was significantly easier. That is not what they are saying. What they are saying is, is that your skin color did not make something that was already difficult even harder. And that is white privilege. That's what they are trying to say. And somehow we get this confused and frustrated because we consistently believe that our morals and our way of life are being attacked simply because somebody else wants equal rights, and that's just not the truth. So does white privilege exist? Yes. But maybe it's not in the capacity that we think. Maybe it's not where we actually think it is. Maybe this white privilege thing didn't get us the job that we thought, and they're looking at their resumes and saying, oh, look, another white guy, probably not. Now, if that's a white resume and a black resume, maybe. Perhaps we've been looking at this from the lens of, well, they're trying to say that we had everything handed to us. And by the way, when I say we, I'm speaking of white people in general. Perhaps this is a conversation that needs to be had outside the realm of emotion because well it's a really emotional conversation to have and people really do not take it lightly when you attack what it is that they feel like they've worked for but this is what we have to understand 
I have never one time in my 32 years of existence on this planet, not once, have I ever been afraid of being shot by a police officer when I was pulled over. Not one time. And before you were yelling into your headphones, well, maybe it was because you weren't doing anything illegal, allow me to tell you that that's not the case at all. Many of our black brethren have pulled over terrified that they were going to be arrested just simply because they were suspicious. Suspicious why? We're going to talk about that coming up after the break. But I want to remind you going into this break, episode number one of Real Talk with Drew Brent. Presented by Game for Change. Thank you so much, guys. Alan, Joey, Jeremy, and the boss man himself, Matt Ketchum. These guys are making a big difference in the River Valley, and they're doing it through video games. Check them out. Their Facebook-exclusive show airs on Tuesday, Season 2, under uh, underway, I should say, in full swing. They've got some great guests coming up. you got to check them out. That's Tuesdays on Facebook, and it's Game for Change. Check them out on Facebook, Game, the number four, and Change. Make sure to like and share that page. When we come back, let's dive a little bit more into what racism might actually be and how we may have been doing something this entire time. We had no idea. Stay with me. It's Real Talk with Drew Brent. favorite podcasting platform thanks so much for being with me if you have not already go on to the facebook page like and share the real talk with facebook uh, excuse me real talk with drew brent easy for me to say you can tell it's my first show back go and like and share the page real talk with drew brent will have um, updated content fairly regularly i do still have a full-time job so I'll do what we can on that, but please like and share that page. Links to the podcast will always be able to be found there. You can also comment your questions, direct message me, tell me that you agree, tell me that you think I'm a complete moron. We'll read those comments and those messages on the podcast as they come in. So before the break, we were talking a little bit about Our black brethren who say they were committing a crime or they looked like they were committing a crime and so therefore they were being pulled over because they looked suspicious. And what, pray tell, was that crime? It was the felony crime of driving while black. Now, why is that suspicious? Why do they feel like that's suspicious? Why do they feel like they're under suspicion all of the time? Well, I can show you. You see, a lot of this is a deflective thing by white people because they will say things like, well, if you're not breaking the law, then you will not get pulled over. Want to bet? Let me show you something. When you are in a convenience store 
you're traveling. It's late at night. You're looking for that perfect snack, and all of a sudden, a black man walks in with dreadlocks. Now, let me ask you this question and be very honest with yourself. Are you uncomfortable with that? Do you start to sort of hurry yourself out? Do you start to feel a little bit uncomfortable? Perhaps you're a business traveler on airplanes on a fairly regular basis and uh, a gentleman with a turban walks in. Are you still comfortable on your flight? That, my friends, is why black people get pulled over. Have you ever seen a Hispanic American and your first thought is not anything other than, I wonder if they're legal. I wonder if they have their green card. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why our black brethren are more disproportionately arrested, taken down, and killed by police officers every single year is because of a stereotype already embedded in the head. Now, before you start yelling into your car again, let me show you one more time. These are not just uh, exclusive to police officers. We've already established the fact that this is something that I believe more people struggle with than they would actually be willing to admit. Why? Is it racism to assume that because a black person walks into the convenience store that you're in that it's about to be robbed. Yes! Here's why I know about that analogy. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine told me a story about how that's exactly how he felt. Not that he was suspicious of a black person at a convenience store, mind you. This was the black person, and he immediately felt the eyes and the gaze of the people who were behind the counter start to follow him, not because of anything other than the color of his skin. Why was he followed? Why was he being stared at? Why was he be, uh, suspicious? It was not because he had a weapon. He did not. It was not because he had committed any kind of crime at that moment. He had not. He had a clean record. The reason why he was suspicious was because he is black. That's racism. And by the way, white people, we have to understand something. There are some things that we do that we don't know that we do. That's one of them. Here's another great one. I can't be racist. I have black friends. B.S. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all. Having black friends does not mean that you have somehow gotten a get-out-of-jail-free card in the racism monopoly that is life. It just means that you're not the, the, the person who is out there screaming the N-word with the hard R in a white hood. Why do I say that? Well, I've got black friends. That, doesn't, that means I'm not racist. No, 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 no. Go back to the convenience store. Go back to the airplane. 
Go back to the first time that you see the Hispanic American and all of a sudden you are thinking that they don't have their green card. Racism. Stereotypes. It's embedded into the heads of the people who live in this country. By the way, there's stereotypes of white people too, none of which, none of which ever lead to police brutality. That's white privilege. White advantage, if you will. And it's striking to me how many people can still deny that this exists. The comment section of social media is terribly sad anymore. You can have conversations about nothing without somebody screaming through caps lock, telling you you're a complete moron for having the opinion that you have or that you're part of the problem. The comment section has been a dangerous place for lots of people. We're going to get into that in just a second. But we do need to address the other side of this. Now, yes, I understand that. Racism is a huge problem in this country, and it must be stopped. We cannot sit back any longer and be silent because silence is a choice. However, we cannot crucify those who disagree with us. Because I will tell you something, folks. Democracy, free speech, those things still matter. And we need to be able to do those things without being terrified that we're going to be obliterated every single time we have a differing opinion than somebody else. And maybe that is the prominent opinion of the country. Case in point, New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees caught a little bit of backlash here recently for saying that he would never participate in something that would disrespect the flag. This is from ESPN.com. After earlier sharing a message of unity on social media, New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees attracted backlash Wednesday when he reiterated his stance that he will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America, end quote, during an interview with Yahoo Finance. So Drew Brees... Comes out and he says, I will never agree with anyone disrespecting the flag. And of course, he is talking about kneeling. Now, I own thoughts on kneeling. I'm actually going to share those here in a few moments. But the fact of the matter is this. He's got the right to have that opinion. He does. He's not. That was not a comment that said, guess what? I don't like black people. I love racism. That's not what he said. He said, I won't agree with somebody disrespecting the flag. Now, whether you agree or disagree that that is somebody disrespecting the flag is inconsequential to this conversation. The fact remains that he has the right to say it. And he was obliterated for saying that. Obliterated for it. Folks, I don't know that we can be okay with having a double standard like this. On the one hand, I truly understand 
trying to get people to change their way of thinking so that we can move forward in a post-racism America. I get that. I want to be in on that. I want to be on the right side of history on this. But demanding conformity to an ideal is anti-American. It is. Drew Brees should not be raked over the coals for his stance on disrespecting the flag, despite the fact I don't believe that it is disrespecting the flag at all. He has the right to have that conversation. Now, there should be open dialogue, and it looked like there was, but man, there wasn't a whole lot of open dialogue on social media, now was there? This is what we were alerting to a little bit earlier. Comment section, retweets, DMs. Man, Drew Brees took a pounding on social media for this. And while I... While I understand why so many people are passionate about this, hell, I'm one of the people who's passionate about this, I cannot help but find the irony in fighting for equality, fighting for uh, the opportunity for everyone to be equal, and then yet showing a double standard when it pertains to a differing opinion. That's not equal. That's conformity. Do I agree with Drew Brees that this is disrespecting the flag? No, I do not. My brother is an Operation Iraqi Freedom War veteran. He said to me once, I fought for everyone's right to do as they please. I even fought for their right to kneel. If you are protesting, that's now there we go. They're just protesting the very thing we're still talking about. We're still talking about the same issue that we've been talking about for four years when Kaepernick took the knee for the first time. And whether or not you believe him in why he did what he did in the first place, the fact of the matter remains that that conversation that he started back then is still happening now. And it could have happened then if people weren't so messed up about the fact they thought that the flag was somehow this elevated symbol that was above reproach. If it's not going to be fair and equal for all people under the Constitution, then it does not represent the America we want. It represents the America we're in, and we need to make it represent the America we're trying to get to. You protest things that are not right. You stand up and you say, this is not okay. The human rights person in me says, I cannot allow this to continue. That's exactly what the forefathers did. There is nothing more American than standing up for people's rights. There's nothing more American than protesting. And I would say that if there is oppression in the black community and these players have a platform, then kneeling is not only not anti-American, it's one of the most American things you can do. Because they value rights. Somehow, though, patriotism morphed into nationalism. We'll be talking about that in the next couple of weeks. Don't have time to get into it today. We've got to be able to give people their opportunity to have their opinion, even if we disagree. But we've got to find the irony in the fact that this was a conversation that was tried a few years ago, and yet here we are, still fighting about the same thing. 
Real Talk with Drew Brent is presented by Happy Baskets on Facebook. Go to Facebook, check out Happy Baskets. Jamie and her crew is always ready to make sure that you are taken care of for all of your gift idea needs. Here in the River Valley, it's free delivery, so check them out. It's Happy Baskets on Facebook. Ask for Jamie. She'll have you taken care of. Back to this Drew Brees thing just for a minute. You know... I don't believe that kneeling is a disrespectful thing to the flag, but there are so many people that I know that do. And I and and I do believe, I do believe that there is an element of people that believe that this whole movement is tied in with some kind of anti-American sentiment or some kind of liberal media push or somehow it's uh, the Democrats who are trying to just overthrow Trump. There's always some excuse as to why we can't make progress on this thing. Even still, if you're fighting for equal rights, which rights do you want to be equal? You have to be able to know that there's going to be people who disagree with you Drew Brees didn't say anything overtly racist in that statement, in my opinion. Now, I know that I'm about to be called a racist by somebody. I just think that maybe the backlash on that was not done out of racial intolerance, but rather just ignorance. I don't know why they're really kneeling. I'm going to disrespect the flag. They're disrespecting the flag. I can't get behind that. Oh, that's why they're kneeling? Okay, then maybe, yeah, sure. Football players especially. When I played football, do you know why we kneeled? When somebody was hurt. I can already hear the blood boiling of people here in the River Valley. All right, take another short break. When we come back... We're going to jump out of the racial divide and into the COVID divide. Oh, yes. Let's talk about masks. Let's talk about people's terrible response to them. Get ready, Karens. You're about to be mad. More on Real Talk right after this. Don't go anywhere. So excited to have everybody here. And if you're watching live on Facebook, thanks so much for joining us. Of course, if you're listening to this, you can't obviously watch it live because I already taped this. Giving a little sneak peek to the folks who are out on Facebook. Saying a big hello. A sneak peek, if you will, of the first episode that we are doing tonight. And the segment that we are about to bring to you is brought to you by by the folks at Game for Change. Matt Ketchum, the mastermind, the brainchild behind the whole thing. They've got season two of Game for Change. Now, this is what they do. They play video games, but they do it in a way that helps promote change in the River Valley by helping promote local nonprofits. So, check them out. Game, that's G-A-M-E for C-H-A-N-G-E on Facebook. Season two underway starting Tuesday. Can't wait for that one. I've been on the show three times. I'm excited about it. This segment, man alive, 
I don't know if you've been trying to go out and eat any kind of dinner at any restaurant here lately, but I know that if you have, then you have probably been asked to wear a mask, according to Arkansas Department of Health Guidelines. Hmm. And it has caused a bit of a ruckus, a bit of a ruckus here in the River Valley. It's caused a bit of a problem for restaurant workers as well. My gosh. You know, I've been doing the whole restaurant thing for 15 years now. And my favorite thing has always been the interaction with guests. But I think most people in hospitality will tell you right now that, my Lord, it's been a bit difficult putting up with some of the stuff that's been happening simply because Karen doesn't want to put the mask on. Now, May 11th was a pivotal date in all this because the governor of our fine state said, you know, we're going to reopen. We are going to reopen our dining rooms. We are going to reopen our dining rooms. We're going to get the economy back moving. All you've got to do to enjoy this just put on a mask. And you would have thought, you had have thought that that ask, it wasn't even a demand, it was an ask. It's a guideline, it's a mandate, but it was a very polite ask, I might add. <sighs> you would have thought that they asked them to give up their right to vote. I can't tell you how many times my crew has been screamed at. How many times my crew has been cussed at? How many times I've been cussed at? Because the Karens of the world believe, nope, not going to wear the mask. So let me tell you the tale of Bat Lady. Real Talk with Drew Brent, episode number one. Bat Lady walks into my restaurant. Now, you may not know that my full-time job, I am a restaurant general manager here in Russellville. And the Bat Lady walks in, and I call her Bat Lady because she wore a Batman mask. For those of you watching on Facebook right now, it was covering that, the eyes, the cheeks, but not the mouth or the nose. You know, the two places where they could actually spread the virus. She then proceeds to tell me that the state guidelines don't actually say what kind of mask you have to wear, and then called me an effing moron. What a lovely woman. And it's gotten to a point now where it's a little bit ridiculous. And I've been trying to find the reason why this happened. I've been trying to find the reason like why this is such a problem for people. And I think I've isolated it down. It's because of the me generation. Facebook, it's been real Hope to see you in the first episode of Real Talk coming up tomorrow. Part of the reason is because I believe we have created a generation, Generation Me. I mean, we are so spoiled in this country, so spoiled in this country that the idea of wearing a mask is now infringing on your rights. I want to ask how. I want to ask how is a mask infringing on the rights? Now, I get it. 
any kind of mandate is going to make people insane. The the mandate uh, that uh, President Obama implemented during Obamacare that was that was taking away the right to choose for um, for medical professionals or, or uh, health insurance, I should say. Nobody seems to bat an eye about the fact that you're required to buy car insurance. Nobody seems to bat an eye that you are required to have tags on your vehicle in order to drive. Is driving not a guaranteed right? No, it's a privilege. Oh, there's that word again. So it would stand to reason. It would stand to reason that being asked to wear a mask in the sake of public health would be something that we could all get behind. And that was just a little too difficult. This me culture is all about what have you done for me lately? What can I get out of the deal? Me, 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 me. To the point, once again, wearing a mask makes people cuss out 16-year-old kids who are working behind the counter of their local restaurant. Seriously, how does that happen? It's real talk with Drew Brent. I just can't get past this idea that we are so jaded now. That we are so, I mean, and especially down here in the South where it feels like any time a change is made, any time a conversation about change happens, you're infringing on our rights. Well, 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 no. And now as of today, as of this recording, Russellville, Arkansas is in the top 10 nationally, nationally, that's the country, the entire country, not just part of it, all of it, in COVID hotspots. Mask is going to seem like a real inconvenience when the entire city is shut down. No, nobody's talking about that. I'm using hyperbole, but unfortunately, that may not be hyperbole at some point. All because you're trying to fight communism, or what you perceive to be communism, at a sandwich shop in Russellville, Arkansas. More after this. Thoughts for this week's episode. <clears throat> I want to go ahead and tell you, Matt Ketchum, Game for Change host. He will be our first guest on Real Talk with Drew Brent. Looking forward to having him here. That's a couple of weeks away. Also, Nathan George of Sass in the Beard. I'm going to be on here. We're going to be talking all kinds of local stuff. They're always talking about something crazy, possibly casino related. Always a good time to chat. Uh, with him, and always looking forward to it as well. 
Final thoughts as we finish up this episode today. And here's the thing that I want to just hammer home to you. I don't believe for a minute that we as a country are nearly as divided as maybe we would, you know, believe when we read certain things. But I do believe this. If you want to heal those things, if you want to heal those things, then we have to get back to some kind of true morality base. And I don't believe that that can be done without some kind of foundation um, from whatever God it is you believe in. But I, but I believe it's, it's God. And even here in the craziness that we are walking through, it is important to remember that at the end of the day, the only thing that we have to hold on to is our faith in God Almighty, the people around us, and the hope for tomorrow. We can be better. We just have to choose to be. Episode 1 is in the books. We will see you here next week. Check out the Facebook page if you have not already. Give it a like and give it a share. It's Real Talk with Drew Brent on Facebook. Be sure to give everybody a big shout, and I would appreciate you telling the world that I exist. I'd like to have an extra share or two. For now, that's episode number one. Make a difference, not excuses. Give God all the honor, praise, and glory. See you back here next week. Have a good night.